Welcome to Dodgers Daily. I'm Casey Porter. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in. Hey, we didn't have our mailbag on Saturday. I was finding gremlins with my microphone system. I finally found those gremlins. So thank you for holding on for that and in tuning back in. Joined as I am each and every mailbag by Austin Brubaker. So Austin, thank you so much for joining. Thanks again, Casey, for having me on. Okay, super excited about this mailbag edition. We have some great questions, but before we get into it, just a reminder, fans, if you'd like to help Dodgers Daily by donating, we have a link to our GoFundMe account in the description. And, hey, make sure and leave a comment, like this video, tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily, and make sure your notifications are turned on. That way we can keep growing and keep doing things like this, which are videos that we love to do. So, okay, Austin, overall thoughts, a great weekend. I know yesterday didn't go. That would be Sunday, the way that Dodgers fans would like, but a great weekend over the weekend against Texas. Yeah, great weekend and great road series, too. You saw over the course of the weekend really an offensive explosion by the Dodgers, seeing them be able to produce and really beat up a good Texas team, at least for those first two days. It's got to be really encouraging to see them do this against really good, really tough competition, uh, really establish dominance and win some a lot of those series. You know, talk about them preparing for the postseason, them having to win these types of series. They're starting to pull together a lot of winning series, which is really encouraging to have. Uh, so just overall pleased with the offensive performance. Uh, you got to like what you see, even though they ended up on the losing end yesterday. Yeah, no doubt. What did you think about Bobby Miller? Pretty good, wasn't he? Oh, he's pretty good. Yeah, uh, we've seen this uh, throughout his career, going dating back to his years in the minor leagues. Um, he is extremely talented, and he can show up in a lot of those big moments against really good competition. No doubt about it. And I know you hinted, and, and he didn't have a great day necessarily yesterday, but James Altman, you know, you hinted if you look at the peripherals as far as the data and analysis. He's actually performing pretty similar than he did back in April, which is pretty awesome because he, you know, I think some of his teammates called him like Babe Ruth back then. He was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can see over the course of this past month or so since in the month of July, he really has been producing really well, even similar close to those April type numbers where we were talking about him being a rookie of the year candidate. Uh, just really establishing himself as a really good, solid, consistent big leaguer. He's starting to find some of that consistency back that he had lost a little bit during the months of May and June. Uh, really encouraging to see because the Dodgers could certainly use his bat. It really just lengthens this lineup mm -hmm. just even more and really helps establish the Dodgers, Do Dodgers offense as a really dominant force. Okay, your overall thoughts on the minor league action for this weekend? Yeah, so I got to I got the chance to go to actually quite a bit of the Great Lakes games this past week. I was there Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, they were up in Lansing. A little bit of a frustrating week, obviously, uh, when the Loons have been as dominant as they have been this season. Uh, just splitting the series against Lansing, especially. Uh, just with some of the circumstances, uh, hitting into a lot of double plays this week, uh, stranding a bunch of runners, um, and then some frustrating calls to say the least yeah. uh, with some of with some of the uh, calls this week. But still, overall, 
uh, you got to be really excited with a lot of the signs that you saw. Um, there's a lot of really good pitching performances, a lot of dominant stuff that was comparable. There's a comparable difference between what the loons mm-hmm. had and what the Lugnuts had as yeah. far as the pitching side. Uh, so you got to be really encouraged by that. Uh, overall, a little bit of a more frustrating week, but you split the series. Um, and you got to, I'm still really encouraged by what I'm seeing down on the farm. Yeah, the stadium radar gun had Jermaine Rosario, Ronan Cop, both at 99. Then it had Maddox Bruns and uh, who is the other one at, at 101 on Carlos Saturday? Carlos De Los Santos. Carlos De Los Santos. Now, and, I think we're probably both in the consensus that <clears throat> that wasn't 100% accurate. I don't think Maddox Bruns or De Los Santos was either hitting 101, but that is what the stadium gun said. And I know, you know, your comment on that is, well, I can tell you with my own eyes. They were way hotter than the home pitchers. So, what's yeah. your explanation for that one? Yeah. So, uh, if you look, so basically where my seats were, I was right over by the Loons dugout and right mm-hmm. over in right center field. It has their name and it has the miles per hour. So, I was seeing the uh, pitch speed for each one of these pitches. Yeah. And it was consistent that the Loons pitchers were tossing a lot more heat than what the Lug Nuts were, at least as an overall team. Um, and you can see that with all of those guys, they were all hitting close to that range, that 101 or 99 for all four of those guys was their top end speed that I saw. Uh, but they were hitting somewhere close to that. Carlos De Los Santos was hitting close to 98, 99, 100. It wasn't just a one-off pitch for each one of these. And so even though Stadium Gun probably a little bit hot, or at least it could be, um, they're throwing extremely fast. Their velocities mm-hmm. are really encouraging to see. Uh, and something that is unique about this Loons team, unique about Dodgers pitching staff in comparison to what the Lugnuts had. Lugnuts still had some really solid pitchers. There's just something different about the Loons team. Yeah, Michael Bush had two home runs yesterday. He just absolutely continues to dominate AAA baseball, had a chance to talk to Miguel Vargas. If you haven't had a chance to see that interview, that has been posted to the Dodgers Daily YouTube. Drew Avens continues. Boy, he got off to a very slow start. But I'll tell you what, the other night I saw it with my own eyes on Thursday. He got a base hit, and then from first base, Miguel Vargas hit a fly ball to the right fielder that ended up just barely foul. Right fielder catches it just down the line, not even really deep. Avens tags up, goes to second. Then when nobody's paying attention, he just runs to third base into a shift before anybody realizes what's going on. He's already taken third base. Then he scores on a ground ball the next play. That was absolutely awesome. Jimmy Nelson looked very good in his rehab outing yesterday. And and I know Dodgers fans are really interested in him. He's been very good when the ball has been in the strike zone. The problem is he's walking too many guys right now. So we saw that with Emmett Sheehan yesterday. Until he gets control of the base on balls, I don't think Jimmy Nelson will get brought back up. But he's a guy to keep your eye on. Gavin Stone, he gave up two earned runs. He was the victim of, uncharacteristically, some rough defense on Sunday afternoon. He gave up soft contact in, I believe he gave up single runs in three innings in a row, but only two earned runs. So the first earned run he gave up was soft contact and then, some you know defense that that wasn't exactly the caliber of what Oklahoma City's used to playing, so he ended up giving up two earned runs, but he had seven Ks. 
His uh, spin was over 2,300. The ball, that you know, most of his pitches were in the strike zone. So very, uh, very encouraging in my opinion. Gavin Stone, Victor Gonzalez looked very good last night. And then Nick Robertson was back on the bump doing what he does for AAA Oklahoma City. So your thoughts on them? Yeah, really good, encouraging signs. Uh, obviously, didn't get a chance to watch any of those games. Uh, but, from what, but from what I'm hearing from you, uh, really good to hear all of that. And they have a lot of talent in Oklahoma City. Yeah, no doubt about it. As far as Tulsa, I'll tell you what, a, a guy I know that you like a lot, Yorbit Vivas, three hit Sunday, second time this month he's had a three-hit game. Eight time this year he's had a three-hit game. If you remember, he had the 13-game hit streak to start this season. And then it was also his 28th multi-hit game. And it's also then his 58th game this year that he's had at least one hit. And I say all that to say, hey, it's one thing to be explosive. And, hey, when you're hitting, you're hitting, you know, kind of like Max Muncy. But but it's that roller coaster. But Yorbit Vivas has been explosive this year, but then also extremely, uh, extremely reliable every single day. Yeah, no, he has been extremely reliable. I just pulled up some of his numbers right here. You look at it, equal percent walk percentage, equal percent K percentage, mm-hmm. while also hitting at or above 300, I should say, mm-hmm. um, really has been a really consistent offensive piece for that team. He, that's something that he really is. He is extremely solid at what he does. He gets on base. He is able to get a lot of hits, hits for above average production, while also hitting for enough power, too. We look at his ISO. It's still at 165, which yeah. is well above yeah. his K percentage, uh, which if you look at just the overall p- picture of Yorbit Viva, Vivas, uh, really puts him at a really good above average hitter in that Tulsa lineup. We look at a WRC plus of 134. That's pretty good. You will take yeah, that rugged. every single time. Uh, and he's been really, really solid for that Tulsa team. Well, and the thing about it, too, is if I'm you know at the trade deadline, if I'm a team, if I'm a seller, he's one of the guys I target. Left-handed mm-hmm. stick, middle infielder. He played third base this year. I would put a lot of value in him from for as a trade piece. Yeah, if you value a guy who gets on base, a guy who's going to be a really steady everyday piece to your lineup, who's going to be productive as well and adds an element to the game that is different from a lot of other guys in the league, he is a guy to target. Uh, for other teams. Obviously, I think we wish that he'd stay on the Dodgers, but the Dodgers have a ton of talent uh, on this team, on their team. Yorbit uh, Vivas should get a chance somewhere at some point. Uh, no we'll doubt. have to see where it is. No doubt. Hey, you know, him and Evie's Leonard, I always combine them together because they've grown up in the system together. They were put on the 40-man roster at the exact same time. He had a terrible start to this season. There's no other way to put it for Eddie's Leonard. And I don't mean that to be negative in any way. It's just an absolute fact. His April just simply was not good. Okay, but since then, he has been very good. As a matter of fact, he's hitting 350 with a WRC plus uh, of 162 and is 75 for 265 with 11 home runs, 20 doubles, 42 RBIs. Let me let me back up on the WRC plus. His WRC plus since the beginning of May is one sixteen. 
So if you just take away that first month of April, which you can't, but hey, it's cold, it's windy, it's not always great hitting environments in Oklahoma during that time. But since the beginning of May, Eddie's Leonard has really been very good. Yeah, no, he has been really good. And it's something that was extremely, uh, you could say, frustrating. It was something that was uh, just against who Eddie's Leonard is yes. at the beginning of April. Yes. He it is and has been a really good player. But this is something that I've seen and I saw a little bit of last year. He started off a little bit slow in April in 2022 yes. uh, where – and I think it, part of that had to do with him being added to the 40-man roster, perhaps not getting as long as a run start in spring training. This year, he gets off to a very similar rough start. And that jump between high A and double A, we talk about being one of the hardest jumps in the minor leagues, if not the hardest jump to do. Um, the way he's turned it around and really has fought this season to battle back to being what has been, and he's worked his way to being as the overall picture of a year, basically a league average mm-hmm. hitter in double A. It's really impressive to see, yep. or he has raised his WRC plus from being down in the thirties ish range back in, if you look at that uh, early May um, to being his WRC plus just overall for the entire season being right around 100. You mentioned that over the course of the past couple months or so, he's been really extremely productive, uh, really encouraging to see yep. when he is on, he is an extremely fun player to watch and really can help just further elevate a team. Okay. To the pitching side, Kyle hurt. Well, actually, before we get to the pitching, Jose Ramos, he's kind of that Max Muncy guy. You know, he strikes out quite a bit, but he has 17 home runs. I would like to – he only has seven stolen bases, and he's been stuck at seven for a while. I think he has the potential to be a 2020 guy. But uh, Jose Ramos, give us your thoughts on him. I know you saw him quite a bit. He got – I know some people were surprised last year when he got the call from Rancho over Damon Keith. And so you got to see Jose Ramos from about May on from last year. So your thoughts on him. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the power potential that Jose Ramos has. I saw him hit a lot of home runs uh, when he was in Great Lakes. Yeah. Just that ability to swing, uh, that sweet swing, and him to just launch balls for power, that is what you're looking at when you're looking at Jose Ramos. You look at mm-hmm. that and combined with his arm in the outfield, just a really – really good offensive force potential that he has lots of tools he he has a lot of tools one of the things that he struggles with and the reason why he wasn't added to the 40-man roster in the offseason is because he's still working on a lot of his swing and miss ability in the bat Um, still strikes out a fair amount and so you're looking at a little bit more of a three true outcome player walks strikeouts and home runs type player similar to a little bit of a max muncie type mm-hmm. thing uh but let it he truly is a good offensive piece that can really do a lot of damage specifically because of the power he has is his value more offense or more defense he has a tremendous defender he's playing, been playing a lot he of is a tremendous defender yes yep. he is a tremendous defender and i think he can provide serious value to both aspects yep. of the game Agreed. Okay, pitching. Uh, Kyle Hurt. Uh, Kyle Hurt, you know, he reached 99. He, You saw last year he threw the five-inning no-hitter 
four Great Lakes. Just a tremendously talented right-handed pitcher. Throws the change up to lefties, the slider to righties. Nick Nestrini, I'll tell you what, one thing about him, he's given up a couple of runs in his last couple of outings, but he's, he's started to become one of the most reliable pitchers in the organization. He's gone at least six innings and, and you know several outings in a row. So the length has been very good. And Nick Frasso, he's starting to get add more length after some of the issues he had as far as injury earlier this year, and he's had some injuries in the past. So your thoughts on those three starters for the AA Drillers? Oh, yeah. No, and all three of those guys are really good, really talented. All guys that Dodgers fans should keep their eye on all uh, because they have really good, really consistent stuff. You talked about Nick Nostrini being a really consistent, becoming a more consistent, reliable pitcher. Uh, that is something that uh, you can see with him, you can see with his track record in the minor leagues, just being able to develop a little bit of consistency. Nick frasso has got some of that electric, dominant stuff. And then Kyle Hurt has been really remarkable this season yeah. as far as his ability to strike guys out. Yep. Um, just overall, he's been really, really solid. And all three of those guys, they moved up pretty quickly in the minor leagues, at least through the Great Lakes uh, portion of the minor mm-hmm. leagues, and I'm really excited to see what they can do. Yeah, when Kyle has the ball in the strike zone, he's one of those guys when it's in the zone, man, he, he his stuff is electric, man. Okay, so moving on to Rancho. I know you haven't had a chance to see these guys, and, and a couple of these guys like Simon Reed and Luis Guerra, they, they just, just got – and Wilman Diaz, who, by the way, I have quite a bit on Wilman Diaz uh, on my social medias. I will ask your opinion on him because he's been around for a while. But Theron Lorenzo had four hits yesterday. Lorenzo, he has kind of that Robinson Cano, Juan Soto-type feel to him with his swing, just the way the barrel comes through flat through the zone. And, you know, hey, you know, he's one of those deals where he knows he's good. He is very, very talented. Another one of those catchers that has versatility – in the system that the Dodgers love, a left-handed hitting catcher. And then also another left-handed hitting catcher out of the 2022 draft, Simon Reed. He went to – he actually grew up in California, went to high school in McKinney, Texas, a place in the world that I'm very familiar with. I can tell you if you played high school at McKinney Boyd that you played against elite competition there in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Then you know, he moved back to California, went to Westmont College. They are super proud of him. Hey, and he hits – he, he hits left-handed, but he throws right-handed, and he's a catcher. If you're talking about a ticket to professional baseball, there is not one faster than being a, a left-handed hitting catcher. Yeah, no, all of those guys um, haven't had a chance to really take a deep dive and actually get a chance to see what they are capable of, what they are able to do. But I've been paying attention a little bit from afar just to some of the numbers, just to see who might get the call up, who I might be able to see, who a lot of fans of the Great Lakes Loons in the Michigan area, Mm -hmm. Dodgers fans in Michigan might be able to see soon. And just from afar, some of those guys you have to be paying attention to just how successful that they have been. Just some of the tools from what you've been posting that they have shown. Um, Really encouraging to see. I know there's been a bunch of guys that have come up through Rancho, through Great Lakes that have really established themselves almost immediately. Uh, I know this week I had a chance to see for the first time Lucas Webb. 
yeah. uh, out of the bullpen. And he, I quirky, mean, isn't he? he is a little bit quirky, but he gets the job done. He was able to get out and uh, get some strikeouts too. And it's just really encouraging, really exciting to see just who, uh, just to think about who is going to be called up over the course of the next couple months, who we're going to be able to get a chance to see here in Michigan over the course of next year, potentially. Um, just really cool to see. Good to see Wilman Diaz hit the baseball this year. One of the big shortstop prospects in the organization. He's been all over the top 30 list. And quite frankly, he didn't have a good offensive year last year as far as numbers. I didn't get to see him at all with my own eyes because he was in the complex the whole time. Finally got to see him with my own eyes at Rancho. And boy, I'll tell you what, he has been very good offensively. And Rain Don Cohn. So, hey, that is a group when you talk about Lorenzo and Jorge Puerta, Rain Don Cohn, now Wilman Diaz, Simon Reed. I'm going to miss about six of their stars. Luis Rodriguez, who is just absolutely insane offensively that's one of the funnest teams in baseball isn't it yes and they're gonna establish themselves whether they come up this year whether they come up next year in 2024 to the great lakes team they are going to be part of the next great great lakes team okay you ready to get into our mailbag let's do it all right so time now for the dodgers daily mailbag Joined by Austin Brubaker, as I am. It was going to be on Saturday, but I was still fighting gremlins with my microphone system, and I didn't want to send out another video that had sub-quality audio, so I appreciate you tuning back in and and dealing with those issues. I think I found all my gremlins in my system, and we're good to go. So, ready for the mailbag, Austin? Sure are. Okay, question number one. We're going to start with the heavy hitters. Should Mookie Betts be the everyday second baseman now that Miguel Vargas is down? I think right now, I think it really depends on what you were planning on doing at the trade deadline. But I think until that point, I think he's got to be the everyday second baseman. I think you're getting enough offensive production in the outfield, and I think they could utilize him really well at second base. I think you saw over the weekend just some really stellar performances and especially if you go back and you go to that those games especially that game defensively by Johnny DeLuca what he was able to Mm -hmm. do during those innings what he was able to do offensively as well I think getting some of those guys in the outfield again this is all depending on what you're planning to do at the trade deadline getting those guys just some more at bats in the outfield while bringing Mookie Betts into the infield, having to play second base, I think would be best for this team long-term. So when you say every day at any position for the Dodgers, that's relative because they move their Mm -hmm. lineup around. Probably I I don't follow other teams, but I, I couldn't imagine another team moving their lineup and moving their players around to different positions more than the Dodgers do. So when you say every day, what you're really meaning is, is he the guy that's probably going to play the most second base? I would be all for that, I think, because for one, if you do go get a trade trade piece at the trade deadline, I think you would agree with this, Austin. It's a lot easier to find an outfield bat. I know the Dodgers, we're going to get into one of the questions, a right-handed bat for the outfield. It's easier to find offensive outfielders than it is offensive middle infielders. So that allows you to go find a better uh, offensive player easier if Mookie Betts is your everyday second baseman. Would that be correct? 
That would be correct. I, that's at least what I would believe. You would look for some of that outfield type slash potentially a utility type player. Um, I think it'd be a little bit easier to do that. So just continuing to get a little Mookie Betts a little bit more established at second base. Not that he necessarily needs that because he can establish himself anywhere on the baseball field, I think would be really good. Okay, mailbag question number two. Should the Dodgers get a right-handed bat at the trade deadline or should they save that role for Johnny DeLuca? Yeah, no, this is a really good question. Uh, One question uh, that has to be answered um, because you have to be able to determine whether or not uh, you believe that you can give your give Johnny DeLuca enough run time at the major leagues before the playoffs, or do you need to go ahead and get that bat? I think we talked about a lot of these guys needing a certain number of that bats to get established in the major league level to get established to make sure that they're continuing uh, to get their swings in. And that's going to be a question that the Dodgers have to answer. Are they going to be, are they willing to give Johnny DeLuca enough time at the major league level? We saw some of the skills that he has. We saw his defensive ability and center field, um, which was amazing to watch. I had a Mm -hmm. chance to show that uh, to some of the people that are close to the Great Lakes organization that saw him grow up. And, man, were they excited to see that. Yeah. Uh, you saw his p- ability to hit for power as well. Just overall, he is an extremely talented player. However, it's up to the Dodgers. Are they going to utilize the skills that he, they, that he has? Are they going to allow him to get certain number of at-bats to hit a lot over the course of the next couple months or so? If not, I think you have to look at adding a right-handed bat uh, because Johnny DeLuca, a lot of these minor league players, you have to let them play. You have to let them get their certain regular at-bats. If he's only getting a couple at-bats, if he's only getting 10 at-bats per week, He's not going to be hot. Yeah. He's not going to be warmed up to be ready for the playoffs. That's okay for a 32-year-old veteran. You know, mm-hmm. not okay for a rookie as talented as DeLuca is what you're saying. A guy yes. like that needs to have every day at bats no matter where he's at. Yes, yeah. And so if he's only going to get 10-ish at bats, I'd rather he utilize those at bats in the minor leagues just to continue to add to his at bats, to continue to add to his reputation so he can continue to work on stuff and become a better player overall. So it really depends on how the Dodgers are planning to utilize DeLuca over the course of the next couple of months. That depends on whether they should add a right-handed bat. So it's not necessarily about the production and who would be the best offensive player that they could put in that position. It's about what's best for actually Johnny DeLuca himself and his development. Is that what you're saying? That's what. That's how I read the situation, or at least how I would read the situation. So I would agree with you on that. He had a second home run on Saturday night. Check this out. He has 41 home runs since the beginning of last year, Austin. And keep in mind, he didn't play at the end of last year due to injury after August 6th. And then he has, like, what, 30 at-bats since he got brought up at the beginning of June. So he's at almost two months taking out of his last – you know, since the beginning of last year. And although he's had almost two months taking out that big chunk, he still has 41 home runs. And, by the way, uh, he also has 30 stolen bases during that time. 
Yeah, a really impressive amount of power. While combining that with the speed and defensive ability, you can see all of these tools coming into play to make a really good, solid baseball player, which is what we've been talking about for the past couple years or so. We've been seeing him grow up. We've been seeing his level of production in the minor right. leagues and him able to do all of this. Um, really cool to see it be able to produce at the big league level. Okay, you're going to love this one, Austin. Max Muncy. Okay, we talked about this with Jose Ramos. Old school versus new school, he literally is the poster child for that. I think you would agree with that. And what I mean by that is old school fans of baseball, they're like, well, man, he strikes out too much. His average is below 200. He's inconsistent, this and that. And then newer school guys, similar to you, that that like to use WRC Plus and OPS Plus and all these, you know, the alphabet soup is what I call it, to evaluate kind of peripherals of, of somebody's production. They love Max Muncy because when you look at all the peripherals, man, they value the power, the slug, the way that he can grind pitch counts, walk, that kind of thing. So explain, you know, the poster child of being old school versus new school in terms of evaluating his, his production. Yeah, so it really depends on what you utilize to evaluate an offensive player. What yeah. sort of numbers that you look at when you're doing your evaluation. Because if you look at a little bit more traditionally, as far as traditional numbers, like, for example, batting average, uh, you would assume that Max Muncy is not a good offensive production player. He has batting average of 196 below 200 and so a lot of people just assume okay he's hitting 196 not really a great offensive player strikes out 27.8 percent of the time not really great offensive production yeah however if you look at a little bit more that's on the surface that's that's on the surface if you do dig a little bit deeper and look at what he's able to do he still is able to walk 15 percent of the time he's still able to get on base quite a bit uh, and you look at his power production, which is really what makes Max Muncy a good offensive player is his ability f- to hit for home runs, not hitting for quite as many doubles as you would want this year. Um, but he's still hitting for that offensive power production. His slugging is still 477, which is really, really solid and really yeah. helping pull his OPS up uh, into a really good range of what you're looking for. It's looking, it should be uh, over 800, right around 800 type range, which is at, which is putting his WRC plus weighted runs created plus uh, just shy of 120, which you're looking at an, which you're looking at an offensive player. That's close to 20% above league average. That's hitting 190, 196 in producing Uh, runs. However, which way, whether it be, yeah. He's producing a lot of runs. He's getting, when he is on, he can really help establish this Dodgers lineup as a dominant force. I think we saw that first couple games in the Rangers series this week. Uh, Just he he can help elevate this team to be extremely, extremely dominant. Um, And that's kind of the dilemma that you're looking at versus that old school, just looking at a couple different more traditional ones versus looking at some of the peripheral numbers uh, to try to look at it from a bigger picture type of role. I think with Max Muncy, you have to keep in mind that bigger picture 
of who he is as an offensive player, as mm-hmm. opposed to just looking at some of the more frustrating numbers. Just try to look at the big picture with him. Uh, and then once you look at the big picture, then you can make your opinion as onto Max Muncy, the baseball player. And also, I think this is the biggest factor with both him and Chris Taylor. I think they're a fit in Los Angeles with the Dodgers because of the offensive players that play around them. I think the offense, you know, when you talk about Freddie Freeman, who's one of the best offensive players in the game, Mookie Betts, who in the last month has probably been the best offensive player in the game. Will Smith, best offensive catcher. J.D. Martinez, you know, all-star, all-star DH. You know, so when you look at the offense that is around them, I think it's good enough to allow at least one guy, maybe two, like him in the lineup to be productive from that perspective. Yeah, I think if you have a established level of consistency surrounded by these guys who are a little bit more inconsistent but are extremely productive, I think that combined together can produce really a really effective offense. And surrounding these, surrounding a player like Max Muncy, surrounding a player like Chris Taylor uh, with these guys, something really important to do. Yep, no doubt about it. Okay. So, mailbag question, our next mailbag question, will the Dodgers be aggressive at the trade deadline? I say yes. I think they're going to be aggressive. I think they're going to be looking for, uh, we talked about a number one type starter. I think they're going to be looking for some help with the starting pitching. Um, Whether or not they get one of those guys, whether or not they pull the trigger, they're looking at things from just a whole picture. Um, They have a lot of guys in their system. There's kind of a logjam at the minor league level. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do with that? What are the Dodgers going to do to try to help beat Atlanta, try to help win a World Series this year, try to help increase your odds, even ever so slightly, um, while also thinking about the long-term, big-term picture I know that's something that the Dodgers really do. They keep in mind some of that big-term, long-term picture. Um, I think they're going to be aggressive. I think they're going to be looking and trying to figure out what's going to be the best move. They're going to be trying to trade for certain pieces that will help the major league team. Um, It will be interesting to see what they are able to come up with because I think everything that we think is going to happen – probably will just be a little bit off and yeah. they'll come up with some move that w- might surprise us, but probably will be best for the Dodgers. If I were to ask you, what's the number one trade piece, not necessarily the, the player in themselves, but at what position, what would it be? As far as who the Dodgers would target? Yeah. What, what, what need will they fill the, the with the most high profile player? I would have to imagine it probably would be starting pitching. Yep. So you think they'll they'll go big? Do you think they'll go for the number one type guy, or will they go for an innings eater four or five type guy? I I would think they would probably go for uh, number one, kind of a playoff starter type yeah. role. Uh, that's what I would have to imagine that they'd go yeah. after. Um, yeah, I I, that I would think it would probably be a number one type guy over a number four or five yeah. starter just this late into the season. I think you have some arms that you could potentially call up if needed or utilize if needed, or you can get on some sort of minor league or waiver 
uh, wire situation if needed. I think you are specifically looking at the trade deadline for what is going to help you in the playoffs. And I think a number one, a playoff rotation starter is going to be what the Dodgers are going to be looking for. Yep. Okay. So that, that begs the question, our next mailbag question. If you had your choice and the playoffs started tomorrow, are you starting Lucas Giolito or are you starting Bobby Miller? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a uh, oh at, man, this is this is really this is a really good one because yeah, you, you can't just be thinking about that. You have to be looking at let's say that you let's say that it's game four of a five game series and you're down two to one. Who would you trust, Lucas Giolito or Bobby Miller, to bring it to that game five? You have to mind Lucas Giolito. He he's had two playoff performances. The last one went very sideways on him. So his mm-hmm. track yeah. record in the, it's not like he has this track. Re- he is you know he has a major league track record, but not necessarily a postseason track record that has success to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's something that I mean. Obviously, Bobby Miller has not had a chance to see what his postseason track record is. I know we've seen in a lot of big games, whether they're at the major leagues, whether it's Sunday Night Baseball, or whether we're talking about at the minor league level, some of the big games that he's pitched in. He has shown up in a lot of those big games. I believe Bobby Miller can and will show up when the lights shine bright in the postseason. And I think he has a chance to establish himself as a starter, as a postseason type starter for the Dodgers uh the question is do you want to roll that risk this season and uh do you I like want how he said this, this season because obviously yes. the, the future is ridiculous for him yeah the future is it it's yes it's beyond bright but here's another aspect that you have to look at who's going to be in the starting rotation next season mm-hmm. who are you going to have because you're likely going to have to rely on on a Bobby Miller. Do you yeah. want to get him that playoff experience this year? Yeah. So then he is prepared when he has to take a bigger role next season for the playoffs. I think that probably is going to be something that you're going to have to do uh, because I think you're going to have to rely on Bobby Miller next season for the playoffs. And you're talking about Kershaw, Arias being free agents. You don't know what's going to happen with some of the pitchers that are injured, like a Dustin May. Uh, so I think Bobby Miller's going to have to establish a role as being a postseason pitcher. Do the Dodgers want him to start a game this season or next season? I think he's going to have a role in the postseason this year. Do you, would you rather prefer him to start a game or come out of the bullpen is going to be the question. I would rather him start a game because personally I've never seen him come out of the bullpen. And if you're mm-hmm. talking about – you know, just getting a guy comfortable in a playoff setting, you know, whether you're actually trusting a rookie who's never been there before. I would certainly trust him more doing a role that he's done his whole life versus thrusting him into a whole new role. You know, not you're thrusting him into a whole new situation, which is the playoffs, then also giving him a new role at the same time. So if you're going to use him in the playoffs, I think it would have to be at the starting position. Okay, so if you go all the way back to Louisville, Louisville – they're in the World Series every almost every year. It is a high-profile program. When you're playing those weekend series against Miami and Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech and North Carolina, those are huge environments. So he's used to the huge environments in college at Louisville between the ACC 
and then College World Series. Then I can remember his first big start in Double A Tulsa. It was a Saturday night, and he went up against Jack Leiter, who had just yep. been who had just been uh, drafted out of Vanderbilt, and he just absolutely kicked Jack Leiter's ass that night. I mean, it, you could tell it gave him extra adrenaline, and he just absolutely handled that moment. I understand. That's the double-A setting. So, but, you know, hey, I'm not comparing minor leagues to major leagues. But then if you go back to spring training last year, remember when he struck out Shohei Otani? Okay, mm-hmm. that was a huge moment. I mean, Dodgers fans were all abuzz about Bobby Miller. Then when you go to this year, look at his first start, his first two or three starts with all the pressure on him, getting the call up, and look how he handled that transition to the major league level. He was pretty awesome in his first couple of starts. So as far as handling the moment, I think he's more than proven that he can definitely do that and that he rises to the occasion. And by the way, he's 6-1 and one on the season, ERA 428. Whip is under 120. The whip isn't unbelievable. You know, but when you look at five pitches, averaging 99 miles an hour, three pitches, uh, three pitches in total out of the five that are in the zone, you know, over 50% of the time, and like you said, this is a guy that you're going to lean on for your future. I, For me, it would be an absolute slam dunk. I would not even hesitate. I would put Bobby Miller on the bump, and I would just – I wouldn't look back. Yeah. No, and I think that would – I think that giving him that confidence, giving him that ability of, hey, we believe in you, now go and destroy the competition, I think he would run with that. And I think he has that mindset – and that ability to just be able to dominate at the major league level when the lights shine bright. When the lights shine bright is when Bobby Miller is at his best. Okay, so our last mailbag question of the day that I know you got to get off to work, so I appreciate you taking time here, Austin. Again, we were going to try to do this mailbag on Saturday, but had gremlins running around on my computer somewhere messing up my microphones, but glad we found those. So the last question, the mailbag for today should Devin Mann get called up and first of all put on the 40 man and then get called up to the major league level? Yeah, Devin Mann has been really, really solid. He's been a consistent force for the Oklahoma City lineup this year. Uh, if you look at a lot of his numbers, he's able to move around positionally, uh, which is cool to see. Uh, he's right-handed bat, uh, and he's has the ability to get on base. He draws a fair amount of walks. Um, strikes out maybe a little bit more than what you'd want, but is still under 25% this season. Um, bats over 300. He's able to hit for some power too, and he has been a really good offensive player for the Oklahoma City Dodgers. You look at his WRC plus of 132, which I, the reason why I bring that up is is important to keep that in mind. Pacific Coast League is much more of a hitter-friendly environment, Mm -hmm. and he is going above and beyond in that environment, just hitting for offensive production. I think he has to – he's got to be one of those guys who has to be in the conversation for getting some type of role. He is, what, 26 years old. He's getting up there a little bit in age. He's going to get an opportunity at some point in the big league level. And uh, somebody who should be of serious consideration to be called up. Yeah, Devin Mann tied with Michael Bush for the team lead in home runs. And then he leads the Pacific Coast League, which he has almost all year 
in doubles, and he has nine more doubles. At, he has 33 doubles. That's nine more doubles than the next guy in the PCL, which would be Diego Castillo. So, you know, not only is the batting average good, it's over 300. You know, the doubles have been off the charts, and the home runs have been absolutely fantastic for your, for this year. Uh, 14 home runs, and he played shortstop yesterday, and he's played shortstop more as of late. So you're talking about a guy in Devin Mann that has done everything at the professional level except for pitch and catch. And I did ask him, hey, have you, are you kind of rooting to, to maybe get to pitch and catch someday? He said, I don't know about the catching, but I would pitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, uh, that I, w- I wouldn't doubt him with that, with his versatility. Yep, no doubt about it. Okay, so that's it. That's all we have for our mailbag today. Thank you for sending in your questions. Any last thoughts before we get out of here, Austin? Yeah, I mean, you look at the overall picture of the uh, road series for the Dodgers, you got to be really encouraged by what they're able to do. We talked about uh, on the show on Wednesday whether or not they would be able to take the series in Texas. They took the series in Texas, and they I was showed, wrong. <laughs> yeah, they showed offensively that they are able to put up with the best of competition, with some really, really solid competition. Uh, it's got to be really encouraging to see that. And if you look at the minor league level, go back to what I was able to see with Great Lakes this week, just some of the signs that you were able to see from the team, really, really encouraging to see some of the velocities that some of these pitchers are dealing with. Even though there's some adversity this week, they were still able to pull together and still get a split of the series uh, against Lansing. So encouraging week, really good week. Uh, Excited to see what the Dodgers are able to do as they move back home. We've mentioned all the velocities for the Great Lakes Loons, and they have been impressive. Would be remiss if we didn't mention that big breaking ball in the two-inning scoreless from Michael Hobbs yesterday. He was good, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, that and that breaking ball, I'm telling you, that big. is wicked. It's, yeah. it's pretty big time. Yeah, and, dude, I love watching that dude pitch in high leverage moments because you talk about a rusted adrenaline, man. He just oh, – he's so fun to watch because he just – he has so much energy in him. Oh, yeah. No, he's got a lot of energy, and he comes out, and he wants to pitch in those moments. And okay. he shows. Okay, man. Hey, great job today, Austin. Great job, as always. So, appreciate you joining me. Thanks for having me again, Casey. Hey, Dodgers fans, just one last reminder. If you'd like to help Dodgers Daily, we have a link to our GoFundMe account in the description if you'd like to help by donating. Also, hey, just a reminder – Please like this video, interact with this video, leave a comment, share this video, tell all your friends about Dodgers Daily. Make sure your notifications are turned on. That way, every time Dodgers Daily releases a video, you'll be notified. You won't miss a thing, and Dodgers Daily can keep growing. As always, I'd like to thank you for tuning in and say, Go Dodgers!